Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we're going through the Gospel of Luke. We're looking at the great king, and and we've been focusing, especially these last few weeks, on chapter 5, which is all the way up to chapter 7, a section of the Gospel known as the Sermon on the Mount, in which Jesus talks about what it is to be a part of the kingdom. And we saw in the first, in the very first part, the Beatitudes, what's expressed there is the blessing that comes upon those who are desperate, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who are seeking something more, the grace of that for people who want to enter into the kingdom. And he talked about last week about how, because of that grace in your life, you are now salt and light in the world. Now we're getting up to the place of verse 17 through 20, and it seems like Jesus makes a shift. It's like all of a sudden he's talking about you and I being salt and light in the world and and our life expressing the reality of that grace in our life. And now we get to 17 and 20. It seems like all of a sudden a change happened. Do you know what I'm saying? Have you ever been in a conversation with people and you're talking about like the Steelers? And you're really talking about the season and how it's going to be and everything. And then all of a sudden says, you know, the fishing was really good the other day. Like, where did that come from? You ever had that happen? Could have been whatever subject with you. You know, here he is. He's talking about the blessedness of who's going to be in the kingdom. And he's talking about how that's expressed in our life for everyone else and how God's going to be glorified. And then all of a sudden he starts talking about the law. Why did he make that shift? Well, I think it's because you need to understand when we talk about the Christian life and we talk about being a part of the kingdom, we understand grace. Well, hopefully you understand grace. But there's a problem that happens is that you and I can have a confusion in our mind concerning the implications of God's word, especially the law. And so he changes his subject to go in that direction. In fact, I want to talk about the confusion for a moment. Two things I want you to see about the confusion that we have concerning God's word. The first one is this, is that we often misquote and misapply God's word. We often misquote and misapply God's word. Do you know what I mean by that? We, 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 as Christians, we're supposed to be known as men and women of the word, but what often happens is, is that we will quote what somebody told us the Bible said. We don't necessarily know what the Bible said ourselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, isn't it in the Bible that it says this? And oftentimes what you'll quote is what a sermon was, not what's in the Bible. You will often be so emphatic about things that you think the Bible says in reality is what somebody told you. And all it does is lead to confusion in your life. So we'll often misquote, and here's the other one, we'll misapply God's word to our lives. Do you you understand what I'm saying? We'll misquote and misapply God's word to our lives. That causes confusion. Here's the second thing I want you to see. We see God's word as a confusing mass of rules. Most people have in their mind that the Bible is simply just a set of rules that were written 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. And we don't have any, like, 
comprehension that there's so much more to it. We think it's a, a book of telling me what we should not do or what we should do. When the reality is, is if you read it for yourself, you realize that there's so much more because what the Bible is, is an expression of who God is and how he interacts with humanity and what he did for humanity through Christ on the cross for us. And so what happens is, is we have this confusion in our minds concerning the Bible. You say, okay, George, I understand that. I especially understand that unbelievers have a confusion in their mind concerning the Bible. I'm not talking just about unbelievers. I'm talking about you and I. You and I, especially if we understand salvation and the grace of salvation, that Jesus paid it all for us, we can be confused about the importance of God's word and even the requirements of God's word for our life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, aren't we under grace now, George? Isn't that the thing about the kingdom, is that we're under grace? Yeah, you're under grace. But that grace doesn't remove what God's word calls us to. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, you say, well, wait a minute. How are you going to tell me that? Well, I'm not going to tell you that. Jesus is going to tell you that. And he takes four verses to do it. Look with me, starting with verse 17. Do not think that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till it is all fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to, we're going to take these four verses and we're actually going to divide it into two sections. We're going to look at the nature of God's word, verses 17 through 18, and then we're going to look at the issue of obedience and righteousness. For you to understand the nature of God's word, you've got to understand that you have to be obedient as well, obedient to it. In fact, isn't that what Jesus said? He said this in the Gospel of John, if you love me, keep my what? Commandments. So let's talk about that, okay? There's a lot of confusion out there. I'm going to helpfully help you to grasp it so that you understand why this, these 66 books that we that are in our Bible are so important to us. So let's look. First of all, look with me at what he says, verse 17 and 18. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle will by no means pass from the law till it is fulfilled. What's going on here? Well, a few things. Let me just tell you a couple things right here. First of all, Jesus does not void the requirements of the law. Jesus does not void the requirements of the law. Here's the thing that was going on here. So he comes along, he says, blessed are you, blessed are you, you're going to have this in the kingdom, you're going to experience grace, your life is going to be like light, your life is going to be like salt, and Jesus is anticipating that immediately among his Jewish listeners there, somebody's going to accuse him of setting aside the law. Because remember, I told you before that their world was basically made up of three groups of people. There was the every average day, common day people that they called the sinners. 
There were the Pharisees, which were a middle class, wealthy group of people who kept the law and tried to look righteous. And then there were the Sadducees, who were the aristocrats, the people in charge of the temple, the movers and shakers. And and they didn't believe very much. They believed some things, but they denied other things. And that's what Jewish society was. And for the upstanding person in that society, you kept the law. And so they, here's Jesus, he's being, uh, the people are flocking to him, they're, he's appealing to them, and he's got this message of grace, that there's hope for them, even though they can't keep everything properly. And so the one who's in the, quote, accepted group religiously says, well, wait a minute now, you're kind of wiping away the law, aren't you? You're kind of doing away with the requirements. So Jesus comes along and says, look, I don't want you to think that I'm doing away with the law. I am not voiding the law. So that has implications for you and I here. The law is not void for you and I. Now here's what we do. Because of our confusion about the law, we'll say, well, you know what, George? I don't think I need to go and make sacrifices for doves or or with, with this, that, or another. Yeah, you're right. That aspect of the law doesn't cover you. But you need to understand that the law covered three areas in the Jewish life. There was the ceremonial law. There was the civic part of the law, how they functioned as a society. Ceremonially, how they functioned in the temple. And then there was the moral law. The moral law. What was the moral law represented best by? Anybody have any clue? The what? The Ten Commandments. Now, do you know that the Ten Commandments are reinforced throughout, except for one? Nine of them are reinforced in what? The New Testament. Because you might say, oh, a New Testament person. Yeah, that's great. But the moral law is still binding on us. And Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He didn't come to avoid the requirements of the law. So yeah, we experience grace. Yes, we experience the freedom of the kingdom. But you and I need to understand, we're still held to God's what? Standards. His requirements. Here's what I want you to see. The next thing I want you to see here is this. He, he says this, look with me, verse 18, For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till it is fulfilled. What's going on? Life with Jesus is not something new. Yeah, it's called the new covenant. Yes, it's a new way, a new means of salvation. Well, it's the only means of salvation, I'll just be honest with you. Salvation was not assured by the law. Faith is what brings salvation. But here's the reality. Jesus is not introducing something new that you can, now because of you got Jesus, you can go do whatever you want to do and not worry about it. He's saying that not one jot or tittle will pass from the law. Now what in the world does that mean, George? Well, it really means nothing in our English language, but it means a lot in the Hebrew language. What do you mean? Well, of course, their scriptures would be what we call the Old Testament, was written in Hebrew. Hebrew is an interesting language. It's most, it's all consonants. There's no vowels. How would you like to learn to write with no vowels? What they would do, though, is they would have these jot and tittles. They're little marks above their consonant. They kind of help you to understand which vowel to use. And what he's saying here is that God's word is so permanent It's not going to be, not even the little jots and the tittles that are there in that language will pass away till heaven and earth pass away. 
What's he talking about? He's talking about the permanence of God's word and the permanence of the requirements of God's word on our lives. He's not, life with Jesus is not something new with regards to God's word, folks. It still has implications for you and I today. Here's the third thing. And this is where it comes that you and I need to grasp. Look at what he says. Verse 17. I did not come to destroy, but to what? Fulfill. This is where you and I need to understand. Because you might be here and you're saying, oh, all right, George. So the requirements are there for me today. We can't keep them. There's no way. Even Peter says that in Acts. He, when he's talking about, remember Peter, when he's talking to the Jerusalem council, he says, he's saying to them when they say that the Gentiles should be doing the ceremonial law, he says, how can we, we couldn't even keep it, how can we do it? So you're saying, okay, I see what you're saying. It's for us today. I don't know if I agree with that yet, but we can't do it. Everybody agree with me? Can you do everything the Bible says? No way. But here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, I didn't come... I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. So here's my point. Jesus is a fulfillment of all that the law requires. Jesus is a fulfillment of all that the law requires. Listen, in a moment here, next week actually, we're going to look where Jesus says, you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. But I say to you that if you hate, in your heart, hate someone, you've murdered them. You've heard it said that thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, but if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you have already committed a... He goes beyond. This is Jesus talking. He goes beyond what the law said. And everybody's looking at that and saying, well, how is it possible then that we can do right? Sounds like he's contradicting himself here, isn't he? He wants me to keep the law, but every one of us here, we all acknowledge, can we keep the law here? Let's hear it together. No. Oh, that's so weak. Did you get your coffee this morning? I mean, come on, you know it. You know it from your heart. Can you keep the law? Okay, that's better. It's not good, but it's better, okay? And here comes Jesus. He's saying, I'm not doing away with the law. New life with Jesus doesn't change anything. We say, well, what's salvation then, George? How's that freedom from, from, from the oppression of that? How, 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 I mean, this is becoming depressing here now, George, because you already said I'm going to mess up. We all acknowledge that. We can't keep it, right? Okay. It is depressing except for one thing. He said he came to fulfill it. He's the fulfillment. What does that mean for you and I? Here's the thing. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the law is still The moral law is still binding on you. But there's a difference now. Who comes to live within you? Who now fulfills the law through you? Christ. Who now says, my little children write unto you that you sin not, but that if you sin you have what? An advocate. Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the what? The propitiation for our sins. Do you see what I'm saying? He is the one who helps you to what? Fulfill it. Now, are you going to completely be perfect? No, we're not talking about perfection here, but we're talking about a new way of fulfilling the requirements. You fulfill them through who? 
Jesus, that's what he's saying. Isn't that awesome about the kingdom? That I don't need to be freaked out and say, I'm ruined, I'm doomed because I can't keep this. Yeah, in your own strength, you can't. But through Jesus, you can. Isn't that the blessing of the kingdom? So Jesus now goes on, and he's going to talk about, see, that's what the nature of God's word is. God's word shows me what he wants from me, and then I realize the only way that's going to be fulfilled in my life is through who? Jesus. Now, here comes the issue. The issue comes to the issue of obedience and righteousness. You and I have to do something with this. Did you understand that? It's, it's, it's up to you. I mean, I can sit up here all day long and say, you're going to keep it. No, it's what you decide to do with it. So that's what he's going to talk about now. He's going to talk about your obedience and the implication of that, and he's going to talk about the issue of righteousness. Because it's righteousness that causes us to be accepted by God. So look at what he says here. Verse 19. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, what's he talking about? Because this is confusing, George. Yeah, it is confusing when you first look at it. So let me try to help you understand. First thing he's telling us is this. Verse 19 is telling us that we are accountable for how we handle God's word. We are accountable for how we handle God's word. Now, when I talk about handling God's word, I'm not talking about how, how you handle the book. Like, you know, I've been around the world, and I've been to different places, and I can remember in Kenya, the, the, the believers there coming to, to, to the church with their Bible wrapped in plastic, in a plastic bag. Why? In case they dropped it, they wouldn't get mud on it. I'm not talking about how you handle it, although you need to treat it with respect. But when I talk about how you handle it, what I mean is, is what you do with it. When you read it and it tells you something and God's Spirit speaks to you and says to you, you know what, this needs to change in your attitude. This needs to change in your action. This needs to change in how you're thinking. And see, at that point, you got to make a decision, right? you got to decide, am I going to do what God's Spirit is telling me through the Word of God or am I going to ignore it? So here comes Jesus and he says, to the person who doesn't do and even tells others not to do? Have you ever heard somebody, oh, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. That's just legalism. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. It's interesting what we call legalism. I mean, there is legalism, but some things we call legalism are not legalism. They're what God tells us to do. But we want to be able to just brush it off. And he said, if you got somebody like that, they're handling the word of God, what? Poorly. And here's what he says they'll be least in the kingdom. But if you have somebody who does and teaches others to do, what's he talking about does and teaches others to do? You have somebody who handles it properly, who responds when the Spirit shows him what he needs to do in the Word of God. Do you understand? Responds and teaches others to respond. Then they will be great. We are accountable for how you handle the Word of God. We're accountable. Now that's scary, isn't it? Isn't it? 
Maybe that's the first time you realize that. In fact, let me put it here. I'll put it to you simple. You can write this down. Simple statement to help you understand. We are accountable for what we know. See, you're accountable for what God has revealed to you. You're accountable for that. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why he says to someone like me who's a teacher, a pastor, that when the judgment comes, we will be judged at a different standard. We will be, we will, our judgment will be double. Why? Because we're the ones who are teaching you. Do you understand what I'm saying? With our lives and the way that we do things and and opening the word of God to you. We're held to a higher standard. Because what I teach you and share with you has implications in your life. And I'm, I'm responsible for that. So here he is. He's saying, first thing, right off the bat, I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. So here's the issue. How are you handling it? Because you're accountable. How are you handling it? Are you, because you're accountable. Are you blowing it off? It's easy to blow it off, isn't it? Here's the second thing I want you to see here. God's regard for us is based on our regard for his word. Huh? God's regard for us is based on our regard for his word. Look at what he says there, verse 19. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches the men so shall be called what? Least in the kingdom of heaven. But... Whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great. That's talking about how God regards you. And let me explain something to you folks. There is no least in the kingdom of heaven. That means you're not a part of the kingdom. That's scary, isn't it? See, how he regards you is how you regard God's word. You say, well, what about salvation? Folks, salvation is a reflection of your regard for God's word because your understanding of salvation only comes through what? His word. Do you understand? So he's talking about why this word of God, why, why these, these, this scripture is so important for us. Because you're accountable. And how you regard it will reflect how he regards you. I think a good illustration of that is from our lives. Think about it for a moment. You you maybe have people in your life or or someone is in your life and, and they share with you. They're, they're wise and they come alongside of you and they try to share with you how you should be doing things or how you should be at work or how you should be at home with your family and so forth. And you don't pay them any mind. You blow them off. You do your own thing. You know better. I mean, you know, you know better. And then eventually, you know, you get through a, to a circumstance that's really beyond your control and you go back to the person that you've blown off and you say to them, what do I do? And they say, I don't know. Cause you never listened to anything else I said to you. Do they have any regard for you then? No. Cause you didn't have any what? regard for them. See, that's the implication of what Jesus is saying here. So now we come to what is probably the most confusing, disturbing verse in this sermon. Because look at what he says. 
And then we're going to ponder it, and then I'll give you the point. For I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. All right, let's stop for a moment. I want to set the picture for you. Jesus is on top of this hill. They call it a mountain. He's on top of the hill. He's surrounded, not by 12 disciples, he's surrounded by all of his disciples at that point. There may have been 500 or more. Okay? And he's giving this teaching, and, 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 these, and these are people who are commoners, who are the people who are left out, who are wondering, are they even going to make it in? Because they've messed up. They've, they, there's no way. They're not like the Pharisees. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no way that they could do all that the Pharisees do. And, 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 and they're wondering, can I make it in? And so they hear Jesus say, blessed are you who, who seek for righteousness. You'll find it. Blessed are you who are more. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst. And they're like, yeah, there's a chance for me now. And then this grace enters in, and your life is going to be like salt and light. And then he comes along and says, well, here's God's word. And then he finds up, finds up, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. What? The immediate reaction from all of us, the immediate reaction when I read that for the first time, well, who can do it then? You mean my righteousness has to be better than the guys who are perfect? Think about that for a moment. Is it possible? Can you do it? You say, well, man, I better start trying. It's not going to do it here, folks. What's Jesus doing? He's saying a statement that seems almost impossible to convey a truth. Because let's back up for a moment. Let's think for a moment. Is Jesus saying that the scribes and Pharisees with all their religious acts are going to make it? No, he doesn't say that. In fact, in other places of the scripture, he points out how they're not going to make it. Because it's all phony baloney. So what's he saying then? Here's my point. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's what you've got to grasp. The kingdom requires a righteousness that is not acquired by action. That's what he's saying here. The kingdom requires a righteousness that is not acquired by action. Because, hey, the Pharisees were doing it all, right? But here comes Jesus and says, unless your righteousness exceeds what these guys are doing, how's that possible? Because they're doing it all. You're asking for something that's not acquired by action. And that's true, right? Because what gets us accepted with God? What gets us justified, folks? Jesus, we receive a righteousness from who? Christ. Through what? If you're in Sunday school, you would know this answer. Faith. Do you understand? Does the faith in Christ, the righteousness that we receive from Christ through faith, does that exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees in their actions? Now do you understand what Jesus is saying? See, we're to be obedient 
But we're to be obedient not because we're trying to gain our righteousness. We're to be obedient because righteousness only comes through Christ. That's what's awesome. That's what he's talking about here. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.